welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. This year, we've been kind of doing two tracks in our preaching. We've been looking at some real uh, issues that we face, real life issues, uh, and we've looked at stuff like depression, uh, we've looked at sex, looked at, we're going to be looking at money, we're going to be looking at marriage, we've looked at singleness, and we're looking at what the Bible says about these big issues of life. Alongside that, we've also been looking at the values. We started the year looking at the vision of the church, and we were very, we spent time really engaging with that, of what God's calling us to, and we picked up on that as well last week, last Sunday morning. But alongside that, we've been looking at the values, that we've actually got 10 values as a church that we're passionate about, and what values are, they are like the foundations, they're like, this is the stuff we build church on. It's not just where we're going, it's how we are, it affects how we do things. That's what values are about. And it's my privilege this morning to speak on being an apostolic and prophetic people. One of our values. And to start it, I just want to tell a story. And you've kind of got to use your imagination for this one. But I want you to imagine the summer of 1979. When Cheryl and I, exactly, precisely, use your imagination, David, okay, help me, okay, and, and Cheryl and I were uh, uh, quite a bit younger than what we are now, and in those days, we used to go, in fact, summer of 79, which almost sounds like the line of a song, it actually was the first Bible week that ever we went to. And it's down on the race course in the south of England, not too far from Brighton. And we went there, and in those days, we went for a whole week. We were hardcore. I was expecting a better response from that. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we just slept under you know, a sheet of canvas, and we had a bucket for the water, and that's all we had. And it was real camping, okay? 1979. And I can remember listening to the preaching. And one of the, the first preaches was from Ephesians chapter 3, which would just go up, sorry, uh, the right. Yeah, the PowerPoint, please. Ephesians chapter 3. And someone preached from this verse saying, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, I don't remember much about the preach itself, but I remember that verse. It was an eye-opener about the church. This is God's purpose for the church. It's a demonstration of his wisdom to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It's an amazingly high view of church. And then after that, um, the next preach, or a bit later on in the week, was from Ephesians 4. 
and read this hymn, which was, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And suddenly that hit us. God has a way of building church. So there was like, wow, this is the church. That It's a demonstration of God's wisdom. But also, God has a way of building church. And it's a watershed moment. I can honestly say our lives changed from that week in 1979, and they've never been the same since. I would honestly say that actually what we give ourselves to is shaped by these scriptures. And then more recently, over the last few years, kind of hearing to different preachers, reading, whatever, uh, there's another verse from Ephesians, from Ephesians 2, which has really affected me. And it's this, we are members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Again, a remarkable verse about the church. It says there that actually the church is a holy temple. And we're not talking about stones, bricks and mortar here. We're talking about the people of God. It's where God dwells. What we've experienced this morning in terms of the worship and the gifts of the Spirit has been part of God dwelling in us. It's the place of the presence of God. But there, tucked away in that verse again, you've got the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, we kind of read about that in that Ephesians 4 scripture. And somehow, there's something important about church that apostles and prophets are important to building in. Uh, that, that, that they have an important role in helping the, the building of. So kind of to sum all that up, what we're saying is this. The church, that's us and other churches, okay? But do you hear this? The church is a demonstration of the wisdom of God. Isn't that amazing? That God should invest in the church such a purpose. That the church is his body growing into his fullness, his dwelling place. We are his building. It's amazing. Does that do something in you? It's remarkable. You know, let's not, let, let's not have a shabby view about church. Jesus loves the church. He gave himself to her. And he has ways of building the church. And he uses these gifts, apostles, prophets. Now, that scripture, oh, that one there is very clear that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. 
So central to everything that happens in church, everything else gets its orientation, its stability, its direction and its security from the centrality of Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. And actually, he is the apostle. He is the prophet. He is the good shepherd. He is the evangelist. We're only in this room, if you're a Christian and a believer, we're only in this room because Jesus, the evangelist, has sought for you and found the one. And if you're not, in the, and if you're not a believer yet, what Jesus is doing to you, he's seeking you. So Jesus is the cornerstone, and yet God uses people. It's a stunning implication to this. Jesus could have done it so many other ways, yet he chooses to use people to build church. And that's what we're going to look at, apostles and prophets. So I just want to read to you now from Ephesians 4. So we're going to unpack that scripture a little bit more. Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when you ascended on high... He took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except he also descended to the lower and earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended, higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. So, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We'll finish that. Apostles and prophets... Are they really for today? Okay, We often hear about pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. Are they really for today? It's a big question. And clearly, there's one answer which puts them very much in having a historic role. In other words, the Old Testament prophets that we read about in the Old Testament the Jeremiah's, the Ezekiel's, the you know, Isaiah's, the rest of them, all those Old Testament prophets, as it were, they led us to Christ and their role is fulfilled, is now found in Christ. So we don't need the Old Testament prophets 
We don't need new Old Testament prophets. They've done their job. They've taken us to Christ. They've brought the revelation of Christ. And Christ was the fulfillment of those prophecies. And the early church was built on those Old Testament prophets. These were the scriptures of the early church. When they read from the Bible, they read from those. And they were built on those. And apostles, well, there were 12 apostles chosen by Jesus. And there was a uniqueness to them. They were, they were, they stand alone. And there's a uniqueness to the fact of, it's almost like the 12, it's representing the tribes of Israel. And Jesus is reconstituting the people of God. Something new is happening. And so the 12 had significance. And they were chosen by Jesus before his ascension. When he was on earth. But what this scripture is saying in Ephesians 4 is this, that there are gifts from the ascended Christ to the church, which included apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. In other words, that the 12, although they were unique, there were other apostles that Jesus has given throughout church history. They're gifts of him in his ascension. And they're given, these gifts are given until we all reach unity, maturity, and lost my place. Unity, maturity, uh, in the knowledge of the Son of God. I tried my best to download a video clip at this point. Lorraine will be witness to my complete failure in it. That's as good as it got. This is my technological skills, my digital skills on full display in front of you, okay? Okay, so what was going to happen here, and we're going to try and act it out. Perhaps we just go back to it and we're going to use our imaginations. This video clip was going to be from Shrek, okay? Okay, so we're there. We're in Sh- I know it's your favourite, isn't it? I disappointed you all. It's going to be from Shrek. And there was going to be, you know, the, the, the Shrek and, uh, you know, he's some, you know, the lady, Yes, that one, the lady, yeah. Okay, in the front, you knew that too easily and too quickly. Do you know that? Okay, and there they are in the front of the carriage and they're going to... (laughs) This is much better than up there. Okay, and there they are and they're going along. And who's behind them? The donkey. And what does the donkey say? Yeah, and what does he say again? And then what does he say again? Are we there yet? Are we there? 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 This is much better. I will not get skilled in digital. We'll go this way. Interaction is always best. Thank you, Susan. Listen, are we there yet? Thank you. Are we completely mature? Are we completely united in the faith? Are we filled to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Do we need apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists? Yes. But what are they for? <laughs> Stop it. What, what are they for? To equip 
God's people for works of service. These gifts are not about the big platform. They are not about the big ministry. They're not, please hear this, about celebrity status. These gifts are about laying down their lives so that the church, the church, will be equipped and be all that God's called it to be. Listen, church is not about superstars. Church is about a local body of Jesus followers. I'm slightly contentious. You don't get that online. Okay? You don't get that online. This summer, I've accessed a number of things, preaches online, that have thoroughly blessed me, helped me. You don't get local church online. You don't get it on the TV. You get local church through people. Local church is a beautiful thing. It's also a challenging thing. Because the reality of this is that local church is robust. At times it's bumpy. There's lots of hits going. Okay, permission to nod your head, okay. The courageous ones already. At times it's bumpy. At times it's demanding. At times it's uncomfortable. But it's local church. And guess what? God loves local church. And he wants it to grow and develop into all that he calls it to be. Multiplied throughout the nation and nations. That's the manifold wisdom of God. It's a demonstration to principalities and powers. Well, you, you, I, yeah, conversations in the heavenlies, principalities and powers. You're going to use that bunch? You're going to use that bunch? You're going to use him? You're going to use her? You're going to put him and her together? Don't you know they disagree? Don't you know they don't get on too well? You can put him together with her and them together with them and them together. You're going to mix them all up and that's going to be a demonstration of your wisdom for all ages to heavenly principalities and powers. Really? Yeah, really. Only Jesus could do it. It's the adventure of local church. So what do apostles do? I'm going to focus on these two things. What do they do? Well, there's a number of things, but I just want to highlight two. They, give, they bring foundations. And now what I want to do is highlight what they do, and then we'll highlight the application to us. 
They bring foundations. They clearly have a role in planting churches. They help believers who come to Christ to form communities. That's local church. That is the best form of evangelism this planet has ever seen. It was the way of the New Testament. And they help foundations get in. But they also help establish churches, churches that are already there, to just build on the right foundations. Because foundations are critical. They can never be ignored. They can never be kind of, oh, yeah, we know about foundations. Get on with the real stuff. No, if you don't get foundations right, you can't do the real stuff. Foundations are absolutely critical. The shape and support and security of any building is defined by its foundation. That's true for local church. And so that's why when we read about the early church in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They got truth deep. They didn't just agree with some principles. They didn't just tick a, they didn't tick a form saying, yep, we agree with this. No, they devoted themselves. They gave their hearts to this teaching, which put the foundations of Christ in their lives. That's what apostles' doctrine does. Now, there's no new apostles' doctrine today. No, the apostles' doctrine has been revealed. It's in scripture. But what a true, a gifted apostle does today, it takes what's already revealed and it applies it into our lives. And so we say, yes, that's it. That's who we are in Christ. That's how Christ sees the church. That's Christ's purpose for the church. That's it. It shakes us free from all worldly thinking. It shakes us free from fashionable, trendy, wind of doctrine views on the church. We say, oh, the church needs to be this, it needs to be this, it needs to be this. No, it establishes a foundation. It says, God has revealed his foundation. It's so important we get this. Church is built on grace and truth, not tradition, celebrity, big personality, but the revelation of Christ. This morning, in our worship, I was loving it. You know, I think every contribution, it brought... It was a demonstration of the truth and the grace we have in Christ. We're hearing about his love. We're hearing about his faithfulness. We're hearing about who he... It, it just it, it strengthened us in our foundations. And did that do us good? Foundations are never boring. Because foundations, and mix all the metaphors up, they somehow feed our roots. They think living to them. They feed our roots. We get nourished. And, and God calls us to be established in that. I remember the early days of listening to Terry Virgo, who leads New Frontiers. Well, he did, but he's still very much the father of the movement, but now has released that leadership to others. I remember listening to Terry preach on grace. And he didn't make it up. But he had a gift of teaching what's already revealed. And it was an eye-opener. And I thought, is grace really as good as that? Is it 
really, really as good as that. And I listened to it again. I've still got, I think, in the car, some of the CDs of Terry preaching on grace. There are times I need to listen to them again. They establish me in who, what is true of me in Christ. It's what we give ourselves to. Our passion as a church. What does this all mean for us? Well, it means this. Number one, be rooted in the truths. You know, again, it's not apostles don't speak on these things so we admire them and think that's a jolly good sermon. No. They speak so they equip us so we can do the works of ministry, so that we can do the works of service. I don't know if you've noticed that our nation is pretty shaky at the moment. This, isn't it? What does this nation need to see? What does this nation need in the midst of all this? It needs the church to be church. And what's one of the ways that we, in our daily lives, live out this calling? Is that we don't let fear or despair or disillusionment, or anger, or division, get hold of our hearts. But we put our roots into what is true of us in Christ. That is our security. And from that place of security, we can reach out to other people. That is being an apostolic people. That's making the links between we receive teaching and truth that helps establish our lives, that enables us to live the lives that God's called us to. God's put a calling on us as a, a, a church to resource. It was fascinating hearing those videos last Saturday evening, and it was Kerry from Grace Whitehaven who just rounded it off by saying, Kings, kings, God's called you to be a resource church. You've resourced us financially with people, with care, with giving, with support. You've done it. Don't forget it. And it's fascinating going right the way back to those early videos where, you know, we were hearing that. We heard Jono speak about exploring that relationship with new frontiers because actually this church isn't meant to be an island. No church is meant to be an island, but we're part of this partnership an apostolic family of churches together on a mission, making a difference here in Cumbria, now into Lancashire and beyond. We give into that. We give into that. We do it now. It's what, you know, that's why the link we're devoted. You know, we don't just go away into devoted because we all love camping. There's only a few strange people in the church who are like that, and I will not name them. <laughs> Just look at them. <laughs> Most of you kind of dread the thought, oh, here we go again. Honestly, in a, an hour and a half into putting our caravan awning up, I'm thinking, I'm never, ever going to do this again. But guess what? We will. Why? We're part of an apostolic family of churches. 
actually, it's fascinating. I, w- I went through some archives. Oh, let's pause back. Um, I, I went through some uh, archives. I'll get my bag, not Paul's. Okay, who would like me to? Who would like me to go into Paul's bag and see what's in there? <laughs> Shall we have a little vote at the moment? That you say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk with you afterwards. Um, and. It, it, it's fascinating. I mean, it was a bit of an archive weekend for me last week, you know, doing some prep for Saturday night. Okay, because his document, which some of you will remember, Dave Perfield, Patrick, and others you remember. Local and regional development in Cockermouth and Cumbria, local and regional elders propi- proposal, dot, dot, Roger By. <laughs> it's written in 1995. And it's fascinating reading this, not because it's about me, but it's reflecting a huge step, <laughs> a huge risk that as the church took in just inviting us up. But inviting us up, why? Not so, actually, we'd really be doing a lot of local church stuff, but actually, so we'd be part of what God was doing apostolically and prophetically here in Cumbria. That was a huge step. And Jono, Dave, Patrick, George, others kind of led into that with real courage. So you can speak to them afterwards. (laughs) Okay. We give today into serving churches. Because we've got a bigger vision than just ourselves. We have a passion to see local church grow. What's the second thing that apostles do? It's it's mission. And it's fascinating. When when Paul writes to the church in Rome, he spends all that parchment talking about foundations, 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 wonderful. And he gets about chapter 15. He says, oh yeah, okay, um, now... I'm gonna, I really long to visit you. I re, I've been wanting to visit you. In fact, that's why I've written, because I've not been able to visit you. And, 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 but actually, the, uh, I, I want to visit you on my way to Spain. It's one of the most powerful. It's such a powerful verse in Romans. I, I want to visit you on my way to Spain. What's happening there? All the way from Jerusalem, all the way up, a bit of great sweep. The gospel's been advancing, 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 advancing. Left behind the advance of the gospel, have all these churches been planted, planted, planting, planting. There's Rome, 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 Rome. Centre of the world that was in those days. Already a church there. I want to get there. Not to be the big apostle, but to encourage you. You're living in difficult times. Politics. We're difficult in Rome. We've got it easy. It's a local church. Encourage them in the foundation. He said, now I want to catch you up as well. I want you to send me to Spain because somehow it's not even all about Rome. It's about a bigger thing. God wants to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's God's big story, big vision. Friends, brothers and sisters, we're caught up in that. 
It delivers us from the addiction to self. It delivers us from thinking, oh, it's all about me. Which can be the curse of our generation. No, 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 it's all about him. It's a big, big story. And we need this apostolic kind of turbo thrust to get us out of small-mindedness thing. hey, there's a world out there. That's what David and Lucy are doing. Propels us on mission. God calls us to mission. He calls us to mission right where we are. It's not going to Af- it's not just going to Africa. That's part of the way. It's also staying right where we are. And it's waking up in the morning, thinking, okay, it's Monday morning. <sighs> Deep breath. Here we go again. Another week. I'm stepping into my mission world. Right where I am. That's apostolic. That's being an apostolic people. It's not just you're filling in the timesheet until you retire and then live happily ever after and maybe then you go to Spain. God calls us. He wraps us up in a bigger story. It's mission to the earth. It's mission to our communities. It's mission to our, our workplace. It's mission, 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 mission to the people in our lives. And we can reach out with the love of God. Why? Because this. We have foundations. We loved. Isn't that magnificent this morning? We loved. It's not just God's got some loving feelings to us. God is love. Which nation need in these days? It needs us released. Secure in who we are in Christ. But they're not smug about it. Not superior about it. But serving with the love of Christ wherever he's got us. Let's be excited. That's an apostolic people. That's what the church equipped by the apostolic looks like. It's not, oh, we, yeah, I, you know, I've been very positive about devoted, but it's not just about the big conference. Devoted serves to equip us in our daily lives. I've got five minutes on profits. <laughs> what are they? Well, what are they not, okay? They're not wild eyed, supercharged spiritual hitmen or women who ride through town, leaving us either starstruck, wow, they've got a hotline to God, or disillusioned or condemned. Do not be seduced by that view of the prophetic. Neither are they the reincarnation of the Old Testament prophets. We no longer need a Jeremiah for Britain. Their role was to lead us to Christ, bring the revelation of Christ and our salvation in him. God has now called his church to be the prophetic voice to the nation. Well, what's, what do we mean by Prophecy in the New Testament. If it's not the Old Testament, what is it? Well, it's summed up in 1 Corinthians, where it says that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, 
encouraging and comfort. It's a building gift. It's a building gift. It's not to condemn or accuse or judge, whatever. It builds. And the prophet is someone who embodies that, really. It's their, it's their main gift. You think, yes, that describes them. In other words, what does the New Testament prophet look like? Not wild-eyed, funnily dressed, weird, and speaking odd voices. They build and they equip. They work alongside other gifts, apostles and prophets. It's a foundation of apostles and prophets. It's together, it's team, it's partnership. They strengthen and encourage. They are foundational in equipping churches. It's not we follow the prophet and wherever they take us. No, the prophet serves local church. Simple as that. And the church becomes the voice to the nation. How do they do this? Well, they do it. The prophet has it kind of, what's that unique gift the prophet being? Well, often they can be strategic with local churches in helping the church to be what God's called it to be. We have had a prophetic moment over this last seven days of God reminding us what God's called us to be. Actually, I think Kerry really nailed it at the end. You are a resource church. That was a prophetic moment. That came out of a conversation I had with Kerry. I had a cup of tea somewhere else, and Kerry was talking about that evening. She said, yeah, I really feel this. I really feel this. I, really... I said, Kerry, that's prophetic. Encourage the church with that. Prophets prepare us for what God is doing. As you know, we have all of our preachers go online. They can be watched. They can be listened to. Do you know what's the most watched and most listened to preach? No. <laughs> Thank you. You're such a good friend. It's not me. <laughs> most listened to friend, uh, preach. Okay. Assassinating. Okay. Well, it was last time I checked. Anyway. Ginny Bergen from Sheffield. It was here in February, I think this year, and she preached on revival. And she said a prophetic message to the church, not just our church, but she wrapped us up in that, to the churches. What was the prophet? Ginny is a prophet. What was she doing? She's preparing the church. It was Ginny years ago who brought, and I was privileged to be there when she brought it, years ago, brought before the first big financial crash Brought this word, but brought this word about there will be unprecedented times in all sorts of walks of life, finance, economy, you name it. She said there will be, but it is a preparation. Church, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for these times. After that, Cheryl and I, Cheryl and I kind of, you know, we heard it together, talked about it. We began to count the number of times unprecedented came on BBC News. I've now lost count. It's been used. Um, it's, it's been an unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. <laughs> it has. You, 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 you know all the stories. The, pro- the, pro- the prophets have spoken about this, not that we go weird and wonderful, that we prepare the church, that we become the people, that we reach out. People are going to be more in debt. The demand on food banks will be more. There's going to be more mental health challenges. 
People are going to struggle. Please hear this Ephesians 4 rooted in local church. It's not just about platform. It's about who God calls us to be. And just one last thing about the prophet is this. They help us engage with the presence of God. That's why they're foundational, because the church is his dwelling place. And somehow, when apostles and prophets work together, there's something about an expectation of the immediacy of the presence of God. That's what prophecy brings. There, was, there were times it happened amongst us today. You know, I don't want to pick one out on top of the other, because it was all good. But there, were, there was the presence of God on those gifts of the Spirit. It wasn't people just sharing a few nice thoughts. It brought the presence of God. Did you feel it? God was with us. It's like, I, I, at the end, I said, Lord, I want to surrender to you freshly. So we need the prophetic. It gets our expectation of the presence of God. God's with us, but prepare. What does all this mean for us? Well, we are an apostolic and prophetic people. We embody a message. Be hungry for the presence of God. Let's give ourselves. Let's be rooted in the truths who are in Christ. If you're a young believer or a young Christian, let, let, let people come alongside you. Ask them, say, help me with these truths. I want to be secure. If you're not a believer, Jesus, as Katie shared at the end, Jesus is looking for you. Receive him. Apostles and prophets together. As, they, as we get the apostolic and the prophetic into local church, then what happens? There's fruit. There's results. We will grow in unity. Selfish issues become secondary. We will grow in knowing Christ. It's no longer just about me being understood or even me being me. It's about growing in the knowledge of Christ. We will become mature. One of the signs of maturity is thinking of others. And we will go on being filled. Being filled with more of the Spirit isn't a mountaintop for us. It's a, it's a progression of being filled with more of the measure of Christ. It means... It means... It means... Have I got one more? No. King... It means we become a church with foundations on the mission, shaped, prepared for what God is doing, honouring his presence, growing in maturity, 
and being filled with the Spirit. That's why apostolic prophetic is one of our foundations. Shall we pray? Let's just stand, shall we? I believe this morning there's been a very strong sense of the presence of God. At one point in the worship, I thought, do we just keep worshipping? But actually, I feel it's been a, both things, I think, just opening the word of God and worshipping. Both been important. But I believe there's just such a sense of the Holy Spirit right now. And God wants to capture our hearts, our vision, our minds, our spirits, up again, which is the wonder of church. Yep, the wonder of it. And then he wants to say, I've called you as part of this. And then he wants to just gather us up as his family, rooted in him, longing for more of his presence, reaching out to those who are lost. They are lost. And the signposts are getting ever so more confusing in our times. Jesus calls us to stand in the midst and be that signpost. To point to him. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that all these things point to you. Everything prophetic points to you. Everything apostolic points to you. And yet, Lord, somehow you catch us up in this big church adventure. God, I pray, help us. Give us grace. Release us. Thank for every single person here, uniquely gifted. That's the church, each one functioning, but equipped. Help us, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,